everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. This morning, we're starting week two of our series called Ghost Stories. And this series is about coming to a greater place of understanding, and for maybe some of you, an introduction on the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And this morning, what I want to unpack is is this concept of the revelation that we are not alone, that God is not on some distant mountain that only a hand few of you, a handful of you, could possibly one day experience. That because of what God has done, every single person in here, not only can you experience God, but you've already experienced God. You just didn't know it. So this morning, if you want to go ahead and we're going to turn to the book of John, go ahead and jump in there. We're going to read a scripture that we read last week. It's kind of a theme for this series. I'm just going to dig right in here. And Jesus is explaining. He's trying to help these disciples who have been following him understand what's about to come into their lives. It says in John chapter 14, I'm going to read verses 16 through 17. Then we're going to read verse 6. Jesus is saying here, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son. And Jesus, we thank you for in obedience ascending to the right hand of the Father after you had done your work. And ascending to the Father so that the Father could send Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would awaken us this morning. That you would awaken us to see you and experience you. You would soften hardened hearts and help us to engage you, to, to be reintroduced, re-engaging your presence. Help me to communicate your truth. Help me to speak what you want me to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Tara. All right. Um, how many of you have ever participated in or gone to one of these escape rooms or the escape games? Any, any escape game fans? I tell you what, I love them. I love them. They're too dang expensive. I wanted to bring that price point a little bit down because I want to go to them all the time. 
I love them. For those of you who don't know what these things are, it seems, it can, on the surface level, seem kind of weird where it's like you voluntarily get locked in a room with a bunch of random people. Sometimes they're not random, but you get locked into the room and, like, you got to figure out a way to get out. Like, I know on the surface level, you're like, that doesn't make sense. I don't want to be locked in a room. But the point is, each room, generally, a lot of these escape room places or they, 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 they change up the name because you can only say escape so many times. But they have these different themed and designed rooms, and they are filled with various riddles and puzzles and things that you have to decipher to find clues along the way to help you get a key or a code that will help you get out of the room. And you got to get out in an hour, right? So it's a timed thing. Now, the challenge with these rooms are you are not in there by yourself. So all of you people who hated group projects, sorry about you, okay? Now, what I have not yet done, and I don't think I could do it, I might do it just for a weird challenge, but I have to wait, is you usually don't go just by yourself with a bunch of random people. You usually try to find a big group of people that go together, and you do it as a team-building exercise, Okay. I put up the quotes because depending on your personalities within your team, it might not build anything. Okay, There might be some destruction that takes place because one of the things you understand quickly is your, dependent, your, your ability to get out and the time you'll get out is kind of dependent on the personalities in the group. And so you kind of want to plan your team. You want to plan your squad. You want to know that the people are about it. And so I am very competitive, and I just have this thing. I'm like, I am getting out of this room, and I want to get a good time. And so there's a part of me, I actually try to give a little preface to people before we go in, and I'm like, I know you know me as pastor, and I'll cry with you, pray with you, grieve with you. When we go in this room, we're getting out, and you're going to get it together. Because we're not getting stuck in here because of you. Like, I'm sorry, y'all. That's my flesh. That's my flesh. I'm just saying, I want to get out the room. And so, like, I need to know who's about it. You know, who's about it. I don't need, that's the time where it's like, but you, you can only have so many alphas in the room, right? You get too many alphas. Everybody's, like, trying to, you know, especially Kelly and I are firstborn. If you have too many firstborn in those escape rooms, it's not a good situation. Everybody's trying to tell everybody what to do, you know. And, and the, the key is, like, you can have a great squad. Like, I think the, uh, the escape room over in Fishers, they said that the fastest time somebody got out, it was the O-line for the Colts. I was like, they're smart, but they need to protect luck a little bit better, okay? I need y'all to get, get your stuff together on the field, not just in the escape room. Um, but you got to have a squad. You got to know who, you know, different personalities. You got to have people that kind of think about that, think things a certain way. But even if you have a great team, along the way, you will usually kind of hit little bugs. Or you'll hit a place where you're like, man, we can't figure this out. Well, thankfully, they have a game kind of monitor or a game facilitator that is in a room with monitors. It's kind of a little creepy thing at times. But they have a screen where they'll send you clues along the way. They'll send you insights to help you move along and help you get to where you need to go. And, and because they understand, especially because each room has a varying level of difficulty, that at some point you're going to need help from someone who actually knows how to get through this situation. And what I have found is, you know what, at the end of the day, the goal is not for me 
to just have this pride pat on the back and go, you know, I didn't need any help. Like, I appreciate all my teammates, but this was really a, a, a me effort. And uh, did you ever want, like, athletes to say that sometime? Like, sometimes, like, I know, like, they, they have the things they say, this is a team effort. I think for my coaches, the defense, every once in a while when the defense has a horrible job, I just want a player to say, you know what, I pulled this off tonight. I appreciate you guys. I'm just joking. But that's not the goal. The goal isn't, is the goal is to get out. The goal is to get free. The goal is to win. And in life, we often find ourselves in spaces and places and circumstances of varying degrees. And many times we find ourselves in rooms that we haven't been able to get out of, not just for 60 minutes, but for decades. There's different rooms that we often find ourselves trying to escape or trying to break through as we navigate through life. Maybe it's a room of uh, vocational mobility. Maybe it's a room of addiction, a room of insecurity, a room of, of uh, fear that we have been spending time and, and effort and not even just bad things, uh, but, but good things that we keep feeling like we keep running into a dead end. And the reason that we feel that way, I believe, in many senses is because the life we were designed to live, the life that we, you were designed and manufactured and built and fashioned to experience was never meant to be truly fulfilled apart from you being connected to the Holy Spirit. It was never designed for you to fulfill your entire purpose apart from functioning in relationship and in presence and in fellowship with God. And we try and we try and we try to do it on our own. We get tired. We get exhausted. We, we lean on every different person that we can try to find, expert that we can find. And, and it's good to band with people. It's good to, to find resources. I always tell somebody, if you want to be good at somebody, uh, good at something, go find other people that are better than you at that thing and learn what they did. It's good that we do that. But we can have all the mentors in the world. We can have all the books. We can go through all the classes. But unless we connect to the creator of the universe who fashioned us, who designed us, who designed your unique thumbprint on your finger and the destiny in your heart, then we'll never fulfill it. And God knew that. And he's not cruel. So he actually has made himself available. And so what we see here is Jesus is explaining to the disciples why it's a good thing that he leaves them. They were having a really hard time understanding this concept. They were having a hard understanding, hard time understanding how could it be a good thing that you leave us. They didn't understand what was coming, and he was trying to explain to him, explain to them. So I want to go in here when we look at John 14. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's trying to help them understand who is coming and why it is so good. In John 14, 16, as we said, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Everyone say helper. Helper. This word, it is in the Greek, it comes from the word paraclete or parakletos. And basically, it's a combined word, para, that it means to come alongside 
It means, uh, it's two words. You've got para, which means alongside, and then you have kalin or kalin that means to call or to invite or to speak or to beckon. And when you bring these together, it gives a picture of one that comes close to us, that comes close alongside us for the sake of bringing counsel and comfort and assistance and instruction and advice. And what Jesus was saying is, What we have to understand is Jesus was fully God and fully man. It's what we say from a theological standpoint. It was the hypostatic union. He was 100% God and 100% man, and Jesus could not be in more than one place at one time. And so it was important because the goal from the very beginning is that we, every person on the planet, would walk in undivided, unseparated, unbelievable fellowship with the presence of God. And so Jesus is saying, I am ascending to heaven. I know a lot of us, we got kind of messed up in the head a little bit. It was well-intentioned. But we were told when we were in Sunday school that when we were giving our lives to Jesus, that Jesus was going to come live in our hearts. I tell you right now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father who abides and resides in our hearts is Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is omnipresent. Jesus was ascending so that the Father could send the Spirit that every believer would have the Spirit of the living God residing and abiding on the inside of us. Not just taking up space, but to be a helper. You need to know this morning, you need help. (laughs) Just say it out. Say, I need help. Look at the person next to you. Say, I need help. Now look at the other person and say, I know. (laughs) I know. If you don't think you need help, the person next to you will say different. I need help. I need help. We get real prideful and we pretend, but we got to recognize, I need help. We need help. We needed a helper. We needed a counselor, and God knew it, and because he's a good father that provides for his children, he sent Holy Spirit to come to walk with us, to talk with us, so that we could experience the fullness that God has for us. You need to know that Holy Spirit is not some distant, you know, uh, northern lights kind of essence thing out there for spiritual people. Holy Spirit is a helper next to you, with you, abiding in you. We are not alone. We have help. I see, I think one of the most encouraging things that I remind myself in the midst of a challenge and I think it's important that we do this, is sometimes we, we can pray at times like we believe that there is a God, but we live like there isn't. And we forget that at any given time, in any given situation, the expert in the room is the Holy Spirit. There is never a situation that the Holy Spirit goes, oh, snap, I didn't study for that last night. That wasn't on the syllabus. Right? I used to hate that. In college, where you like studying the wrong section, you think, oh, they don't ever use these words. They don't ever go over this. And then you get there, and it's all the stuff that you didn't study. I'm so thankful. The Holy Spirit never gets stumped. When situations come up, Holy Spirit doesn't start biting the fingernails and go, uh-uh, hope we're going to get out of this one. 
No. The Holy Spirit was there at the beginning, before the beginning. Holy Spirit is fully aware. Not, knows, not only knows where we've come from, but how we've been wired and spoken and filled us and shaped us. We can trust and know that the Holy Spirit is drawing and moving and is accessible to us. I want to talk about some of the things that Jesus highlights here, beginning in John chapter 16, starting in verse 5. It says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. See, Jesus was with the disciples. They had him right there. He says, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none you, and none you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled their hearts. So they're getting sad. They're not sure, well, how is this going to work out? He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now I want to break this down, talking about these three specific things that Jesus exhorts them in. The first thing that the Holy Spirit is highlighted, the Holy Spirit does, is convicts of sin. Now, a lot of times when we think about conviction, or we think of the concept of conviction of sin, our culture and even sometimes it's in church spaces or, or spiritual spaces, we've done the word conviction a true injustice, is that we have linked conviction to shame. Shame is not of God. Shame has no part of God, with God. Christ does not fellowship with the things that he died to destroy. So shame is not a tactic of the Spirit. So we ought not ever use shame to shape people into what God has for them. He doesn't use those tools. Shame, he doesn't use. Condemnation, he doesn't use. Conviction, he does. And the thing about conviction is that conviction is allowing us to recognize when something isn't right and identify it so that we can walk in freedom. Here's the difference. When we look here, uh, you don't have to turn to that right now. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, the scriptures, the verse says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief or worldly sorrow produces death. See, one of the things, because God is so merciful... And it really is. Conviction is a result of the mercy of God. He loves you so much, he's not going to, he will not be okay with identifying a thing that is killing you and not say anything to you about it. If you went to the hospital and had a good doctor, and you went there so that he could help you identify why you have the symptoms and the problems that you do, and he identified it, saw the problem, but be, because he was afraid that you wouldn't like him, just told you, you got a clean bill of health. You're fine. Let's get out of here. Would you call him a good doctor? Would you call him a good doctor? Some of y'all are wrestling with it a little too long. I, I'm just worried about your health care right now. 
Like, I need to stop taking that placebo, Goga. <laughs> no. The difference with God versus godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow is that when we have godly conviction, God never reveals an issue that he doesn't have a solution for. He never reveals an area of brokenness that he does not already have the provision of grace to supply. So whenever God is convicting you of something, we have to stop seeing it as shame and realize it's actually his love. And he's saying, hey, you haven't extended my love there yet. Let me touch that. I want to I touch that area. I know you surrendered these things, but this is actually causing you to be sick. And I want you to extend my grace to that place. Now, where we have worldly sorrow and where many times the enemy co-signs and twists it into shame and condemnation is when God in his mercy reveals and Holy Spirit brings conviction and we just choose not to do anything. Or we choose not to receive the grace of God. And the reality is, apart from the grace of God, we don't have any hope. That's just real, y'all. Like, I just want to make sure that, like, the believers in the building know Jesus isn't like a great insurance plan in case you can't figure it out. Like, you can't. It's not an option for you to save yourself. You can't redeem yourself from sin and shame. Jesus had to die and had to be raised to life. And so we want to walk and welcome the conviction of the Holy Spirit because the greater we are receiving it, the greater we can walk in his grace and his power and his love. I'm thankful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The second thing that we see, and it goes, kind of goes hand in hand with this, is Holy Spirit counsels in righteousness, in righteous living. See, one of the things that the disciples were really concerned about is that Jesus he had been their mentor. He had been their teacher. When something went down, they looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, what do we do about this? Or even better yet, there would be problems and situations that would come up. I know nobody's done this, probably just me. When you have somebody that's maybe the uh, supervisor or they're in charge and a problem arises and you're like, okay, I'm not really the guy to deal with this. I'm just going to watch how he deals with it, and hopefully this is going to work out. And so there was times where the Pharisees, they would come and accusing, and, and they'd cast shame, and they'd question this. And I think there was probably a lot of times where like, hey, what Jesus going to do? I'm going I'm to I'm take his cue, man. Wait a hold up. But Jesus would demonstrate, and he would teach them how to live, teach them how to honor him, teach them how to walk and talk and engage people. And so they're like, man, how are we going to know how to do this if you're gone? And he's encouraging them and he's reminding them, Holy Spirit will instruct you on what to do and how to live and how to walk and how to love and how to walk as a reconciled people and how to let go of the things that are of the law and walk in the abundance of my grace. Holy Spirit is coming. The Holy Spirit instructs us. The Holy Spirit gives us the counsel that we need. And then the final thing that he says here, and specifically in this, in this passage, is he speaks about judgment, concerning judgment. Now, when he talks about the judgment, he expands on it. In John 16, 11, he says, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. What does that mean? 
Holy Spirit reminds us of the victory that we have in Jesus. Because when Christ took upon sin and death on the cross and rose victoriously, it was a grand announcement to the kingdom of darkness, you lost. There's two people excited about the kingdom of darkness losing. When Jesus died on the cross and rose on the third day, it was a grand announcement that life won and death was overcome. Is anybody excited about that? When it comes to judgment, the Holy Spirit reminds us that in Christ, we are no longer slaves. I don't know about you, there's times when I need to be reminded by the Holy Spirit, I am not a slave to this anymore. I'm not a slave to this anger. I'm not a slave to lust. I'm not a slave to sin and brokenness. I am free. I am healed. I am loved. I am a beloved son of the living God. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am blessed and not cursed. Why? Because sin has been defeated. The Holy Spirit reminds us, hey, that's been judged. You are free. Now, if the Holy Spirit would act in these ways, why is it if we have this helper, this counselor, this paraclete that is alongside of us, why is it that so often we miss out on this incredible relationship and this incredible helper and partner? Could you imagine being on a two-on-two or a three-on-three tournament having LeBron James on your squad, and you put him on the bench. Like, hey, man, I got this. We'll bring you out at the end. What? You would be foolish. Man, we bench the Holy Spirit all the time. We bench him all the time. Or we don't recognize the Holy Spirit as God. We actually give more, oh, shout out we give more authority and credence to the Enneagram than the Holy Spirit sometimes. We give more credence to the little phrase that was in your fortune cookie than the Holy Spirit. We treat the Holy Spirit like this little fleeting sparrow that might come and rest on our tree during our devotional once a year. Twice, twice. Hey, he doubled up from last year. I appreciate it. No, I was playing. <laughs> and we wonder why we feel alone. I'm going to wrap this up and talk about three, three ways that we can honor and recognize this helper that God has been given to us. The revelation of God here and now in the third person of the Trinity. First things, we've got to listen. Listen, listen, and not just hear. There's a difference between hearing and listening. See, the reason that sometimes, especially in these settings, you will respond when I ask a question is because we've conditioned ourselves to hear and not always listen. What do I mean by this? 
I love children's programming like Dora the Explorer. And, you know, they'll tell, or the children's programming will tell kids to, they want to be interactive or like Team Umi Zumi. That's like the new jam right now for Ella. Ella wants to see, she says, Zumi, Zumi. And they'll say, hey, you're our helper. How many triangles are there? And then the kids yell out, three triangles. And they're like, thanks, helper. Why? Because they're anticipating that when you ask someone a question, they actually respond. But over time, so I hear Johnny, I love it. I hear Johnny and Ella yelling at the TV all the time when they're watching the little shows. I love it. Because they don't know that they can't really see them, right? But over time, the kids figure it out. And so eventually, they spend time, they watch these kids programming, and there's tons of questions that are being asked of them, and they just stare. Because they know this TV doesn't really have an expectation of me to respond. It's going to do what it's going to do. And we train ourselves to think that way. We go into a school setting, and unfortunately, I think many of our educational settings are just meant for us to memorize X amount of information, not actually process it critically, think about it, and actually learn how to function in society, but just to be able to fill in the blanks or the scantron bubbles. And then when we leave, we actually don't remember much of what we learned because we heard it, but we didn't listen. We got to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. You say, how do we listen to the Holy Spirit? Well, one of the chief ways that we listen to the Holy Spirit is by knowing the truth. Reading this Bible. Jesus tells them about the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 13 of chapter 16 of John, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that will come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What is he saying? He's saying the Holy Spirit is only going to speak what is true in this word. So if you want to know what the Holy Spirit has to say about a thing and you want to familiarize yourself and your capacity to hear and to know, just begin to read this Bible. And not even, even further than that, I want to encourage you, don't just like flip through it randomly and all of a sudden you end up somewhere in Ezekiel and you're like, and I will cut off the head of the whore of Israel. What? Oh, snap. I don't know about that. Let me go to the middle. Oh, Proverbs, that's probably good. Honey is sweet. Too much of it and you will vomit. What? Uh, Like, (laughs) there are ways that you can read this Bible. You got to know how to read the Bible. We have something we call the Purple Book. It's the Foundations Book. It's a great tool to help you systematically walk through the Bible and understand the Bible. We talked about it in the series, Keeping It 100. There's ways that we understand. People try to throw out scriptures that are completely out of context, misused all the time, especially politicians. My God, pray for the politicians. I'm just praying. I'm like, Lord, can please somebody actually use the Bible in context at some point instead of just trying to find a quick verse that can, like, get a couple amens, you know. It's amazing sometimes how politicians, when they come into a church setting, they don't sound like they preach ever. And they come into church and they're like, can I get a witness? All right, when the praise goes up, the blessings come down. Vote for me. God bless you. Uh, I digress. My point is you got to learn how to read this Bible so that you know if somebody is using it out of context and in a way that is not true, you can know, "Mm mm-mm, that's not the Spirit. 
Just because it sounds spiritual doesn't mean it's from the Holy Spirit. So we want to listen. We want to train our ears so that we can recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so one, listen. The second thing is you want to respond. As I said, it's not just hearing, but responding. We have a, there's a, there's a pit and a rut in the church, I believe, where we come each week and we sit and we hear the word and we don't really have an expectation that I am supposed to go do something about this that I've received. So we don't write it down because there's no expectation that we should actually live it out. And then we train ourselves to be hypocrites. We train ourselves to become numb to the word of truth so that when it comes, we're like, man, that was kind of good. I like that analogy. That joke was kind of flat, but, you know, thanks for trying. And then we leave and we just go about our way and then we come back for the next week and hopefully the, the preacher pulls it together and preaches a little bit better. But there is an importance that we respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying. You know, a small little quick thing that you can do to begin to walk in this is this. Scripture says, as long as today is still today, encourage one another. One of the smallest ways that you can train yourself to hear Holy Spirit and respond is in this. If you ever get an encouraging thought or word about another person, I guarantee you it's not the devil. It's amazing how when, if we can posture our hearts, if God gives you an encouraging thought about someone, respond, text them, say, hey, God puts you on my heart. I so appreciate the way you serve. Man, I love hanging around you. There's so much joy in your life. You have no idea what that will do when you obey in that way, partner with the Holy Spirit, and life all of a sudden springs out of the phone. Where it's not a notification reminding you of all the things you didn't do or all the things that you haven't been able to get to, but you get a word of encouragement. It's a great way to begin to practice not only hearing Holy Spirit, but responding to the Holy Spirit. See, one of the things that, Jesus' instructions, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. There's times where you know. Now, if you are not, if you've not given your life to Jesus, surrendered your life to Jesus, Holy Spirit actually still helps you out. It's amazing how God loves you so much, even if you haven't surrendered to him, or maybe even if you haven't acknowledged him, he still tries to help you. I'm so thankful the scripture says that while I was yet a sinner, Christ endured the cross for me. Whether I would receive it or not, he still died for me. And there's times when I wasn't even trying to follow Jesus that I'd be in a situation and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit would go, mm, I mean, you could do that, but that probably isn't advised. <laughs> and there were some times where I was like, I just wanted to embrace the ignorance is bliss. Like, Holy Spirit, just leave me alone on this. But you find afterwards you're like, man, I really wish I would have listened to that. It wasn't an angel on your shoulder. It's Holy Spirit helping us. And the last thing I want to say, so listen, respond, and walk, walk it out. Listen. Respond to the Holy Spirit. Train yourself to begin to respond. You know, when you read this Bible, I think it's a great tip. You know, uh, if, if some of you journal or don't journal, I think it's a great practice to journal or to have a note in your phone, an Evernote file, where you read the Bible and you Right in there, what is Holy Spirit saying to you? What is this word calling you to respond to? And how can you begin to walk it out? Because what happens is as you do that, it actually develops 
this faith and it cultivates this muscle and a capacity to actually live by the Spirit. God did not send his son Jesus. God did not come to die, to rise again, to send Holy Spirit for you to continue to live trapped. He wants you to be free. And I believe that as we begin to recognize the helper, the counselor, the comforter, the great teacher of the Holy Spirit, not only it's not just going to be something that maybe enhances your worship time, but you're going to find that God's going to give you the guidance. Holy Spirit will give you the instruction, the very help that you need in all things that we experience in life. That we would be a people living, walking, breathing, loving, playing, experiencing life and life more abundantly. That is my prayer for us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that you have made yourself available to us. Holy Spirit, I know right now, Lord, that you have been, uh, Holy Spirit, that you've already been drawing people to you and that you're softening hearts. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would draw us in. Lord, that you would draw us in to a place of response. That you would draw us in and that you would bring clarity and a clear call to respond to your word. I know right now, and Kyle, if you want to go ahead and come up. I know that right now, there's some of you in here that God has been drawing, and he's been drawing you for a long time. And you've had a sense of the presence of God. You didn't really know how to identify it. Maybe you still struggle at times to identify it. And yet, you can't ignore it. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know, God, Jesus wants you to know today that it wasn't just something you ate. It wasn't just the inspirational movie that you watched. It wasn't just your um, hunch of feeling that there's something more. It's that God loves you so much and he designed you and he fashioned you. And he wants you to meet him. He wants you to experience him. He wants you to surrender your life to him so that he can actually help you really live it. The Bible says that before a seed of grain can live, it must die and be buried in the ground. To lose one's life is to gain it, and to gain it is to lose it. And God wants you to surrender to him, to stop fighting, to stop ignoring but to respond and say yes to him. You are not your own savior. He is the savior. 
And he saved you not because you figured it out, but because he knows you can never figure it out and he just loves you. And so this morning, if you're here and you say, I want to stop fighting it, and, and you don't even have to have it all figured out. You just say, I don't have it all figured out, but I do believe that this Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he was sent to die for my sins, that he was raised to life, forever conquering sin and I want to repent turn from my way from my sin and to surrender my life so that I can walk in his if that's you with every head bowed and eye closed if that's you I want you to lift up your hand I want to pray for you today say today I want to give my life to Jesus Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that you're moving upon hearts today. Lord, I ask that you would help us. That you would help us to be aware of your presence. You help us to experience the glory of your goodness. That you would help us to be awakened to your presentness in our lives. Lord, that you give us the grace not just to hear, but to respond and to walk it out by faith. If you're here this morning, and that's you, and you say, you know what, I, I, I want to walk, I want to know more about this Jesus. I want to invite you to come to City Central and, and to ask someone there at City Central to say, hey, I, I, I want to know what's my next step. How can I walk this next step out with Jesus? We want to help you take that step together. Father, I thank you that you're here. Lord, lead us and guide us in your truth. Fill us to overflowing. Lord, let our lives be fully alive in you, that we would shine like the lights that you have designed us to be, that we would go out to every area of this city that we would so shine before others that they would see you and give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and